I've returned to the poetry over and over again and even poems that I actually know really well they can be read in so many ways and from so many different directions I remember someone once saying to me the reason you like him is because he's a poet's poet he rewards you know you keep going back and he will continue to reward you For me, he's a poet who still speaks to us today. He remains, I think, the great poet of nature. His poetry talks about the positive, benevolent influence of those forces on us. But he's also a poet of great social commitment. He's someone who's living through a period of wartime and he captures the devastation of of war. But he's also a poet who champions the power of the imagination. This is Lancaster, global research tales from the north of England. Hello, my name is Sally Bushell and I'm Professor of Romantic and Victorian Literature here in the Department of English and Creative Writing at Lancaster University. Hello, I'm Simon Bainbridge, I'm Professor of Romantic Studies here at Lancaster University and I'm also a trustee of the Wordsworth Trust. Interestingly, I was studying Wordsworth for A-level, so I was about 16, and I, I didn't get him. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get to grips with him, which was quite unusual for me. And then I went up to the Lake District with my parents to visit a friend of theirs, and that was the first time I'd been to the Lake District. And so for me, it was the place, suddenly through the place, Wordsworth made sense to me. And then I, then I went back to study and I, I sort of understood it anew. So one thing I find very interesting about Wordsworth is he's not what you expect him to be. And people say that to me all the time, students or or the public. I think people have assumptions about him. And I think he, for some reason, there is is a sort of resistance in his poetry. Because you do have to work, you have to really think about it to get it. Um, And I I actually find that resistance very interesting. It's interesting you say that, Sally, because I've always um, I've always worked on romantic poetry. That's been my focus. Like you, I did an MA in that area and then and then a PhD. And initially, I steered away from Wordsworth, and I wasn't sure really what he had had to offer. Uh, and at the, my first major project was on Napoleon and the English Romantics, uh, and uh, I had to turn to Wordsworth to see what he had to say about this contemporary figure, you know, major figure of, of political power at the time that Wordsworth is Wordsworth is writing, um, and. And that and that really sparked my interest because up until that stage I'd always thought about him as a nature poet but it also struck me as he's a writer who has got so much more you know that he's really interested in what's happening around him in the world and he's very interested in what's happening what the relationship is between political power and poetical power what can you do as a poet when there is a tyrant um, who is seeking to conquer the rest of the world you know what does poetry have to to say in response to that that kind of um destructive action um and wordsworth is very engaged with those kind of real world questions yeah. as well as being a fantastic writer about the landscape in which he in which he wrote So to understand Wordsworth, it's a great idea to visit Dove Cottage, which is Wordsworth's home from 1799 to 1808, where he lives with with Dorothy, his sister for those years. And one of the most exciting developments, I think, in research recently has been not only an acknowledgement of Dorothy's own skills and importance as a writer in her own right, but also the sense of William's collaboration with Dorothy and how valuable that has been for both of them in terms of, of the work they've, they've produced. And similarly for us, working in Lancaster University, one of the things that's made the work we've done possible has been our collaboration with the Wordsworth Trust, 
the organisation that in 1890 uh, bought Dove Cottage as a place for the nation, to save it to save it for the nation. It's been open to the public ever since and tremendous resources there. So if people go there, they'll have an insight into the, the life lived by William and Dorothy while they were there. Um, they'll be able to see many of the great manuscripts that Sally has worked on uh, in, in her research. There's a fantastic museum there. So very much would uh, recommend people to get that sense of um, Words, Wordsworth because, um, I mean, he's a writer who writes on location, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, for, for William, that, that context for writing is important in so many ways. I mean, both in terms of going out, as Simon says, to very specific places to write particular texts, sometimes to write you know, about Michael's sheepfold at a sheepfold in the valley that did belong to that person, you know. So there's these layers of place uh, and meaning in there. But also, obviously, I mean, Dorothy and later his wife are very, very important uh, to Wordsworth. And when you look at the, the manuscripts and the sort of materiality of writing, that becomes even more uh, evident. You know, Dorothy and Mary are often transcribing, they're writing, they're copying it out, out text. There's a, a whole kind of almost domestic industry around the production of, of William's poems, uh, not to mention, you know, reading them aloud. You know, Dorothy very much sort of giving her judgment, evaluation on those texts, reading together and working together. So I think when you visit Dove Cottage, what you get is this sense of, not not very much not William's life but the whole family's life and how all of that is sort of part of what makes him a writer. And if you were to visit the museum what you could see for example there would be the 20 or so different versions manuscript mm. versions of Wordsworth's greatest work his autobiography The Prelude all laid out uh, and as Sally says um, many of them written up by the other members of the household, transcribed by the other members of the household. So it's a fantastic insight into the making of a masterpiece. Was it for this that one, the fairest of all rivers, loved to blend his murmurs with my nurse's song, and from his older shades and rocky falls, and from his fords and shallows, sent a voice that flowed along my dreams? One of the new emphases you find in words, with those drawing on um, 18th century thought too, is the importance of childhood and, and the value of childhood. Yes, and again that's something that works really well in our educational work uh, and even with the undergraduates, it's the way into Wordsworth um, and a, a kind of famous concept that Wordsworth has is of what he calls spots of time and he's actually talking about very, very early memories very interested in psychology actually and sort of anticipates Freud in lots of ways and he's saying, you know, in your earliest memory before the age of about seven or eight when you start to get continuous memory you just have these sort of bubbles of thought, of of key moments that for some reason you've clung on to and again that's a universal concept you know that is true for all of us so immediately people start thinking oh what's my earliest memory and that's what I do with the students you know what is your earliest memory why do you think you've remembered it and again for Wordsworth coming back to what Simon was saying earlier it's about he looks at those moments and says you know they give me food for future thought they're what made me a, a poet so he's sort of looking at his own 
roots, his own sort of, the, the very germ, the core of his imaginative thought, really. Uh, and again, that's something that Romanticism gives us, which is this turn sort of realisation of the importance of the child, the value of who you were as a child for who you are as an adult, which is kind of a major turn that happens in the Romantic period. So it's another way in which Wordsworth, it's very specific to Wordsworth, but it's also a sort of major change in how we think about ourselves as human beings. It's interesting that you talk about working with the students and these early memories. I often begin a seminar on Wordsworth uh, by asking the students what their earliest memories are. And it's quite striking how often they will say, oh, I remember being naughty. I remember Mm. doing such and such and being told off. And that's a great start because what you can say is, well, what you're remembering is exactly what Wordsworth remembers too. Because so many of his early childhood memories key memories these spots of time are these moments of naughtiness if you like these moments of transgression when he has borrowed a boat and rowed out into the middle of Ullswater or when he has taken the the woodcocks from snares that somebody else has has laid so these little moments of kind of theft if you like and one of the things that I think has has struck me most powerfully about where you know the the really valuable Wordsworth isn't the one you might expect. It's it's his emphasis on these dark moments in our lives, these mm. difficult moments. Mm. I mean, he says in the Prelude, um, "Fair seed time had my soul, uh, and I was fostered alike by beauty and by fear." Mm. So it's very interesting. He's presenting himself as a sort of orphan there, which he did become at uh, at a relatively early age, and he's talking about the way in which nature has taken on the parenting role. Um, uh, I was fostered alike by beauty and by fear. But what he goes on to emphasise in the prelude and in some of his other poems is how important fear is, how important these difficult, dark moments when, as I say, he transgresses and nature then comes and chastises him and tells him off. Those have been the key moments in his, in his development. Those have been the things that have made him different from, from others. But, of course, I mean, that's also because those are the moments that have the strongest emotional charge. You know, you might not remember why you remembered it, but it's because you got told off and, you know, your, your bottom was slapped and yeah. you went to bed without any tea, and that's why you actually remember it. Obviously, you had a harsher <laughs> upbringing than me, Sally. But, um, but there are also moments, you know, in 18th century terms of the sublime, aren't they? Mm. As you say, the most powerful emotional experience that you can have, which is often created by particular kinds of engagement with the natural world. You know, the sense of the natural world as something that is potentially dangerous and frightening, but that you can experience with this strange kind of troubled pleasure, to use another of Wordsworth's terms. So Wordsworth's writing about his own childhood is often a surprise to people because he was actually quite naughty as a, as a boy, and in fact his aunt and uncle sort of despaired of him. Um, and he was always getting into trouble, he was always going off into nature and having adventures. And obviously that lends itself to educational uh, resources. I have my own uh, adopted son, and he um, was playing Minecraft a lot uh, and kept asking me to come, come watch me play Minecraft, Mum. And I, I was actually quite drawn to Minecraft because it's very landscape-based as a game. I think it's, a, it's an unusual game. It doesn't have... It's not shoot and kill... It's very creative. And so I started sort of watching him play it and sort of thinking, oh, this is actually really interesting. And then we discovered that you can uh, generate, or you can get people to generate for you, accurate maps of different areas in the UK in Minecraft. And so we got a company to generate the, the, an ordnance survey map of the Lake District, which is totally accurate to the Lake District uh, in Minecraft, and then um, built uh, a model of Dove Cottage 
uh, accurate scale model of Dove Cottage in the landscape. And actually, this was part of a larger project called Litcraft, where we take different literary maps, uh, Treasure Island, for example, and create a scale model. Um, and so I sort of developed quite ad hoc really just playing around with with minecraft uh, a model for reading in which children start with the text you know a wordsworth poem or or the narrative that they're reading then go into the equivalent of that that text in in the game environment uh, and undertake a challenge that relates to the narrative or the poem and then come back out and write about it and this sort of loop between reading being immersed in the text and then being immersed in the actual environment that corresponds to that text suddenly proved very, very effective. So initially we just undertook that as as an impact project, uh, working with partners like the Wordsworth Trust to re-engage children with the poetry and the language through play. Um, But increasingly we started to see, well, this is almost a new way of reading for the 21st century. You know, we would call that multimodal. But in a sense, I would say it's kind of creative reading. So you you read the narrative and you're you're, you're stuck within the narrative and what the narrative can do. But when you go into the game world, you can kind of recreate that and have your own adventure that then kind of layers on to to your experience of the text. I remember I was taking a group of school children round the Lake District and round uh, Dove Cottage, uh, Wordsworth's home, um, last summer. And we went into the museum and the museum has just been part of uh, an extensive reimagining of of Wordsworth. Um, so I was very excited to show the, the students all the work that we'd done and all the manuscripts we've got on display and so on. And your Minecraft Dove Cottage was there on iPad on the iPad, and it was the first thing they rushed to. It was very <laughs> interesting. They were very excited, you know, that yeah. in the middle of this museum yes. should be you know, yes. Minecraft and iPad. And they played around with it, and it, it, it as you're saying, it sparked their initial engagement, and then. They went off, thankfully, and looked at all the all the other stuff we were planning on mm. on them to look at. Mm. But it was it's very interesting that it, it gave them that way in. And I yeah. guess, in a way, that's that's what you're thinking about, isn't it? With with um, how you think about yeah helping them develop their reading skills, essentially. It is interesting when you take it into a classroom. You know, quite often children will say, "Are we allowed to do it?" They they're so taken aback. You know, like we're we allowed to play Minecraft. Well, you kind of are. You know, educational play. But but yes, I actually think we should be doing way way more of this in the classroom than we are. Because as you were saying before, Wordsworth is a very adventurous poet, isn't he? I mean, he describes his own adventures in the in the outdoors, in the in the lakes, as as a child. And you know, some of his great pieces of writing constitute these sort of outdoor adventures undertaken by both himself and by sort of fictional characters. Um, and for us as readers, produces that kind of excitement. Mm. I mean, do you think the the you know Minecraft captures that sort of excitement for for today's children? I think it absolutely does. And I say it's that sense. What interests me most is that it allows a creative, a creative re-engagement with the text. I think that's what's really interesting. When my son played it, he said, when you read the story, you have to follow the line, you have to follow what's happening in the book. But when you're in the game world, you're, you're, you're playing yourself. And actually, I find that very exciting and interesting, the idea that you then take your imaginative engagement with the text and sort of re-experience it in a more personal way. And that, that seems to me quite Wordsworthian as an yeah. idea. You know, Wordsworth is someone who didn't like to stick to the beaten path. You know, he yeah. liked to go off and find his own yeah. roots, didn't he? And, yeah. and, and explore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you're, you're suggesting Minecraft creates a space in which children can similarly explore and find things for themselves, find, find new things. 
Absolutely, and that works very effectively, Minecraft's very effective in relation to the reluctant reader, or I think probably, and this is where I'm doing research now coming out of the impact, for children who have difficulty visualising or, or fully seeing the text in their mind, and then the Minecraft environment sort of does that for them or helps them to understand it, and then come back to the text, and they, it, it sort of re-energises them in, in response to the text. Wordsworth is a very adventurous and daring poet, uh, but also an adventurous and, and daring child and man, and he plays a key role in the invention of mountaineering. So Wordsworth's often thought about as a poet of vision. You know, we think about you know, seeing the daffodils and so on, and also as a poet of the imagination, the idea that you can make a world through your, through your, own, your own mind. What I found exciting in my recent work is to think about how the processes of movement and of physical engagement with landscape contributes to those elements of Wordsworth's writing. So, for example, there's a famous passage in The Prelude, again mentioning his autobiography, in which he describes as a young boy a little bit of rock climbing. And he talks about the effect that this rock climbing has upon him and how it changes the way in which he sees the world. Uh, so he has a, a really heightened understanding of the world around him and a sense of the world made new. So one of the things I've been working on is thinking about how the psychological and physical stresses of rock climbing and long walking actually help create the mental states that Wordsworth then describes in his own poetry. And again, I mean, uh, Simon's research sort of fits very well with our interest, increasing interest in mental health and the importance of mindfulness and well-being. There's the famous statement in The Tables Turned, let nature be your teacher. Yeah, and people find that a very interesting way to begin to think about nature. You know, nature is a positive force. Nature is a kind of educator that will take on this, this role and, and teach you how to engage with, with the world. But at the heart of it is this sense that, yeah, you need to, you need to get out of your cottage, you need to move around, and, and that'll help you feel better. And there's been so much, you know, thinking about how people have struggled during lockdown and how valuable exercise, say, has been. I'd say the, I mean, the, another area where Wordsworth speaks to us now, having recently gone through the lockdown period, um, is in his sense of the power of memory, and particularly the memory of landscape. So Tintin Abbey is his great poem about thinking about what the benefit of seeing a particular landscape five years ago has been and how it's given him these sort of pictures in his mind which in his dark times and his in his times feeling isolated his times within the city he's been able to re return to those pictures of a particular landscape for a kind of restorative power <laughs> For me, it is about reading poetry and the layers of meaning between place, represented place, experienced place, lived place, and the way those are connected in his work. So I think Wordsworth is an extraordinary pioneer. I think he actually, in some ways, creates the world in which we live. He invents modern poetry. 